Well, I'm excited about today. I I uh, been reading this story. It's really been convicting uh, me and challenging me this week. And if uh, it does you, that's great. But if not, I've already benefited, so I'm good. So, <laughs> so a couple of things before we start. Uh, first of all, remember, uh, if you want to follow along with the message, we have on version on your phones. Uh, if you go there, you click on More and Events. You can kind of click on Church Together, and it gives you the scripture that I'm going to talk through. It gives you the announcements, and it gives you um, the sermon notes that I'm going to talk through as well. So if you want to do that, go to Version Bible app, click Events, click Church Together. And like I said last week, if the sermon gets boring, you can play on your phone, and everyone still thinks you're studying, so that's good. All right. If you open your Bible or your version, whichever you want, we're going to be studying from Luke chapter 12. And I love this story because I find myself in it, and I hate this story because I find myself in it. <laughs> we're talking about uh, finances right now, and we're talking about it makes sense, C-E-N-T-S, and S-E-N-S-E, to read and to follow what God's Word says about money. And so we've talked about how it makes sense to be content in our money, to trust God with it, because really it's not about money, it's about contentment. We've talked about generosity makes sense. We talked last week about how stewardship makes sense. And this week, we're talking about how wisdom and applying God's principles of wisdom make sense in our lives. I like to think of myself as someone who tries to fix things. Now, not around the house, not in a practical way like that. I tend to make things worse there. But I look out at society, and I've always had this bent to try and fix things, to help people, to love people, to serve people, to, to make wrongs right, that kind of stuff. And so over the course of my life, I've looked at all kinds of solutions about how we fix things. All of them are very hard. Some are very obvious. We need to fix the families, right? Because healthy families raise healthy kids that contribute to a healthy society. We have a huge uh, man problem in our society with absentee fathers. Even if the father is present in the home, there's still a lot of absentee fathers. We have all kinds of uh, moral problems, right? And so there's a train of thought that says, hey, if we could, we could fix morality, then we'd fix society's ills. All kinds of solutions... Which is why I follow Jesus, because he's really the ultimate solution, right? But I came across something, it dawned on me recently, that if we could just get this one thing down, we would solve a whole lot of problems at once. And I learned this through some of the journeys that have been going on recently with the police department in my role as a chaplain. <coughs> 
Because if you're involved in law enforcement and involved in dealing with criminals every day, it becomes very, very clear what the problem is and what the solution is to many of society's ills. There is one common thread that unites all those who engage in criminal behavior. And that's an overdose of stupidity. On some of my adventures, I have been shocked at the dumbness level (laughs) in a lot of people. There's a situation a couple of weeks ago right out here on Seminola. There was two guys sitting in a boat on the medium. And so someone called the police, and I was on a ride along, and we got out and said, hey, what you doing? Oh, it's hot. We needed a break. Okay. Well, is this your boat? Uh, no, it's not. <laughs> and not only had they, they stolen the boat, but they got too hot stealing the boat, so they thought they'd take a break by sitting in the middle of a medium in the boat. <laughs> it's not, not the sharpest decision. There was another kid, we, we, we kind of pulled him over just for like a little traffic spot thing. And uh, as we were walking up to the car, he's like shuffling around and he elevates himself in his seat. And he's sitting on his backpack. And we said, sir, are you sitting on your backpack? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> no, really, this isn't a joke. Are you sitting on your backpack? Why are you sitting on your backpack? Well, I just couldn't, couldn't see... Couldn't see. Sir, can we look in your backpack? <laughs> and there's all kind of marijuana there, right? And if we just put the backpack in the back, we never realized, right? Just a, a healthy dose of dumbness. And honestly, I could tell, I could tell stories all day long. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> Maybe afterwards. <laughs> of some, I mean, the kids love it when I get back from being with the police. They say, tell us your dumb stories, <laughs> all right? And we have a problem of, of dumbness. And because we have a problem of stupidity, one of the huge cures that we need to inject into our society is a whole lot of wisdom. And you know why I know that to be true? Not just because of what we see out there, but because of what I see in here. Right? Most of the time when Tracy and I have an argument, it's because there's a whole lot of dumbness in here, right? But most, most of the time we're sailing, when we're sailing a little bit too kind of close to where we need to be financially, it's because there's been some like dumb expenditure that this guy's made, right? And scripture says, you got to be wise, If you want to live a godly life, if you want to live in a godly society, you got to figure out what wisdom looks like. But James knows our problem, right? That's why he says, if anyone is in need of wisdom, all you got to do is ask God. I think there are two things that happens when we stop and we ask God for, for wisdom. The first is that we tap into the wisdom of heaven, right? 
The, the God who knows everything can give us direction. But before that, that holy transaction takes place, there's something very real in us stopping and saying, I don't want to do something stupid. I don't know what to do. Let me ask God. In that process, too, we just press the pause button before we do something stupid, right? So I want to ask God to talk to us about being wise. And God always speaks through his word, right? So in Luke chapter 12, I want to share with you just a few, few things, four things, not three things. Tell Giselle, Bobby, right? <laughs> that can help us become a little bit more wise, not just in our finances, but in life as well. Luke 12, verse 13. That's how it starts. Then someone called from the crowd and said, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. So Jesus has gone through town. There's a big crowd following because at this point, Jesus is a rock star. He's also a rabbi. And often when people had problems and questions about money, they went to their rabbi. It was one of the rabbi's responsibilities to settle disputes about money. We can uh, deduct from this interaction that this guy has a brother. He's probably the younger brother. And probably recently, his dad has died, leaving the inheritance to his sons. Now, in Jewish tradition, it was such that the elder son got two-thirds of the inheritance, and the younger son just got one. It was also tradition that the older son was the one who was going to settle the affairs. But for some reason, probably a selfish or a foolish or a stupid reason, the older son hadn't got around to it yet. And because he hadn't got around to it, the younger son hadn't been able to get his money. And so he became frustrated. And he wanted the rabbi to fix the problem. On one hand, it's a normal request to make of Jesus. But look at Jesus' response in verse 14. Friend. I just remember, if everyone Jesus calls you friend... I mean, he means that he loves you, but he's probably going to tell you something that you don't want to hear, too. <laughs> Friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as this? So this guy who has a need, he comes out of the crowd, and he says, hey, Jesus, would you help me with this? And Jesus, being this super nice guy, says, not my problem. <laughs> I don't want to deal with that. Well, why do you think that, that I am qualified to deal with that? Doesn't seem, seem very nice. It doesn't seem very Jesus-like, right? I don't think Jesus really wanted to get involved in those issues. God had already spoken about that. Jesus perhaps didn't want to concern himself with those trivial matters. But this is what Jesus says next in verse 15. He should say friend again because he really nails the guy now. He says, beware. God against every kind of greed. 
Life is not measured by how much you own. The guy asks the question, Jesus doesn't answer the question, and then Jesus nails the guy. And the guy's probably thinking, what? <laughs> All I need is a little bit of legal assistance settling this family dispute. But instead, you've jumped from, from, from there to calling me greedy. What was it? What's up with that? Doesn't sound very Jesus-like, does it? It's not the thing that we're taught. We're taught to respond well, to listen, to care, to help in any way we can. But Jesus cuts through the need that the man thinks he has, and he goes right to the heart of the matter. He says, you want your money, and you'll get your money. But as you get your money, I want you to be aware of something. Watch out for greed in your heart. And I think one of the things that Jesus is doing here is that he is teaching us about wisdom. Because what wisdom does is it doesn't just provide an easy answer on the surface. Wisdom looks below the surface and it goes right to the heart. And it is the heart that Jesus is most concerned about, right? The guy asked the question. Jesus says, whatever. But don't be greedy. He doesn't speak to the question. He speaks to the heart. And I think we would be wise to do the same. Think through some of the conflicts that you've got into. Think through some of the foolish and stupid decisions that you've made. It's because you've chosen to keep things and to fight and to argue on the surface rather than get to the heart, right? Rather than to say, what's really happening here? What really needs to change here? I voted uh, early this week, uh, I think on Wednesday or Thursday. And so the night before I went to vote, I went to do some of my research on some of the uh, candidates that I don't know a little bit farther out. And so I went to all these websites and almost all of the websites said the same thing. Problem, solution, problem, solution. I'm for this, this, and this. And I'm against this, this, and this. And so I'm trolling through these websites, and they're all saying the same thing. And they're not helping at all. And I start to realize I'm looking in the wrong place. I don't need just to be looking at the statements and the answers. I need to be looking at the heart, to be looking at the character of those that I'm going to give, give my, my vote to, because that's what wisdom does, right? How did I do that? A little bit of Facebook stalking. Didn't tell me everything I knew, but I got a little bit, right? <laughs> but the point is, the point is, the point is, we got to look at the heart. We, we got to look at the character. W wisdom doesn't just give an answer. It doesn't just check a box. Wisdom asks the second question. It's not the what or the how. It's the why, right? 
We would become much smarter in our families if we stepped aside from the surface and looked at the heart. Our relationships will be much richer and much healthier and much holier if we, st- if we move behind the, the, the surface and went to the heart, right? Our, our dealings with, with finances and our spendings, right? It would be much better if we didn't just say, oh, I want that, but we asked, what's the heart behind me wanting that? Wisdom gets to the heart. Wisdom pauses even in the midst of loud, emotional, quick decisions and says, what's really happening here? This guy says, fix my problem. Jesus says, no, but I'm going to fix the bigger problem. Let's look at what's going on in your heart. It's true in relationships and family. It's true at work. It's true at the store. It's true in every area of life. We need to ask the second question. Not what's happening over here, But what's going on here? Because wisdom starts in the heart, right? If we want to be wise, we've got to look at the heart. If we want to avoid a whole lot of trouble, we got to look at the heart. If we want to avoid being stupid, we got to look at what's going on in the heart, right? Life is not measured by how much you own. Sure, you you want this problem fixed, but unless you get this fixed, this isn't going to help. Wisdom gets to the heart of things. Then Jesus told them a story, as Jesus already did, and I imagine he needed to say something because everybody would have been shocked. It was a very socially inappropriate thing for Jesus to say. So let me tell you a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He was a rich and successful man. He was rich because he was successful and probably be successful because he was rich. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he thought for himself and said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. In the first part of this parable, Jesus continues teaching us about wisdom. He says wisdom isn't just about looking at the heart of things. Wisdom involves seeing the problem and coming up with a plan. Wisdom involves seeing the problem and coming up with a plan. That's what's happening here. This very successful farmer in an agricultural culture, society, is doing really, really well. He is growing so much stuff that he doesn't know what to do with it. He can't sell it fast enough. He can't turn it into a profit quick enough. He's got some storage bonds, but man, this is a bumper harvest. And he doesn't want this this wheat, this grain to go to waste because that's such a, a valuable commodity. He's got this problem that He's going to have to waste some of his grain, and he doesn't want to do that. And so he comes up with a plan, and his plan makes all kind of sense, right? I'll I'll build bigger barns, right? If one barn isn't big enough to house everything, let me build some more. 
I think the second thing that Jesus is saying is that wisdom involves seeing a problem and making a plan. We all, we all hear that and say, yes, that's simple, right? That makes sense. Except it's really, really hard for us to do. And it's really, really hard for us to do because we have a hard time acknowledging that there is a problem before us. If there's an issue in my life that's a problem and someone confronts it, they've become the problem. <laughs> I, I dismiss it, right? It's, it's what we do. If someone criticizes something we're doing, so I'm going to criticize you back. We, we don't do a good job of saying, hey, there's a problem here. We're moving so fast, so quickly. We get so busy that we just keep building on problems rather than just stopping and saying, hey, what are we going to do about them? And it's, it's foolish, it's stupid to do this because as soon as we realize there's a problem, then we can start to plan our way out of it, right? What's the best way forward? What do we do to solve this? Who can I engage in this problem? There's a whole lot of wisdom in the, in, in the start of this story, right? The guy sees a problem, he comes up with a plan. That shouldn't be rocket science to us, but it is. Because we're so self-consumed and because we don't like to admit weakness and we don't like to admit we're not as perfect as we think we are. Jesus says wisdom gets to the heart of things. If you want, you want to be wise, don't, don't play on the surface. Don't get caught in that game. Look below the surface to the motivations of the heart. Secondly, he says, if you want to be wise, make sure that you're taking time on a regular basis to see problems and come up with plans. Because if you don't see problems, those problems are going to get bigger and bigger and worse and worse until they, they, they destroy you. Get to the heart. See the problems. Make the plans. But then he goes on, talking in the parable about this rich man. The rich man says, then I'll have enough room to store all my wheat and other goods. That's great. Problem solved. And then I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, why he's talking in the third person? We've got no idea here. <laughs> you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. This was a colloquial phrase at the time, to live a selfish, sensuous life. It was almost like he was saying, from now on, I'm going to do what I want, when I want, because I've done the hard work. In fact, this is one of the most selfish passages and parables in Scripture. In the Greek, in just these two verses, my is used four times and the word I eight times. Jesus says, if you want to be wise, get to the heart. This guy's, no, 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 no. I just want to have some fun. He says, I, I, I saw a problem and I fixed it. And because I fixed it, 
Man, I can just go and live as I want. I can eat and drink and be merry. You know, one of the things that really scares me about this, and I probably wouldn't say this too broadly, is that this guy's thinking resembles the American dream a whole lot. Right? Let me do all I can, get all I can, so I can live for those last 10, 15 years of my life where I can eat, drink, and be merry. Jesus responds to that, verse 20, but God says to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything that you worked for? And what Jesus is saying, and what God is saying in the parable, is that if you want to be wise, don't ever, ever, ever become complacent. Don't ever think that you've arrived because you haven't. And in fact, as soon as you think you have started to arrive, then you actually start to move backwards. This is wisdom means never, ever, ever getting complacent. And again, it sounds easy, right? But we're creatures of habit and we're creatures of comfort. And we become complacent with our, our jobs and our families and our relationships and our stuff and our comfort. And as soon as we become complacent with that kind of stuff, we start to lose them. God is talking in hyperbole here. You'll die tonight. The reality is it doesn't happen that quickly for us, but we do start to die slow deaths whenever we become complacent in anything. Complacency is stupid. Wisdom is continuing, and it's fighting, and it's serving, and it's loving. And it's doing new things, and it's having first things and first stuff. Wisdom is a life of adventure that never quits, that doesn't go on six month cruises. It keeps going. That's a dream of mine. That's why I said that. <laughs> I know. Have you seen it? This new cruise ship, six months ago, all the way around the world. $64,000. Let's take up an offering. Can we do no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Totally just kidding. Totally just kidding. God says, don't ever get complacent. Just this rich man, you get complacent, you die tonight, then what happens? Complacency doesn't kill us in the moment, but it starts a slow death. If we become complacent in our relationships, they start to slowly die. If we become complacent in our family, that starts to die. If we start to become complacent in our finances, they start to drain, right? Wisdom doesn't ask the first question. It gets to the second question, what's going on in the heart. Wisdom doesn't hide from problems. It sees problems, and it comes up with plans. Wisdom keeps going. It remains alert. It doesn't become complacent. And then finally, verse 21. 
So we've been doing this little series on, on money, right? On finances. And um, you always kind of want to end a message well, right? But I got this problem because every story that we've looked at about finances from scriptures over the last three weeks ends exactly the same way. (laughs) And I've run out of stories to make the point. Every story that we've looked at about every kind of dealing that we have to have with money ends with this invitation to prioritize God first. This is how he says it here. Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. What it's saying is that if you want to be wise in your dealings with people, in your dealings with stuff, in your dealing with money, in your dealings with vocation, first of all, you got to become rich in your relationship with God. He's saying, he's saying prioritize God first. Last week we talked about stewardship. Ultimately, how does stewardship work? It works when you prioritize God first. We talked about generosity. How does generosity work? It works when you prioritize God first. We, we talked about contentment, right? That been the root of financial well-being. How does contentment work? Well, it works when we put God first. And here, as we're talking about wisdom, wisdom comes when we put God first, when we say, I want to be in rich relationship with God. Isn't that an incredible, incredible phrase? I want to be in rich relationship with God. You know why that's so important? Talking about this whole stupid, foolish, wise dilemma that our society is in and we're all in. It's important to be in right relationship with God because it says in Proverbs 9 that it is the fear of the Lord that is the beginning of all wisdom. Right? Fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. When it says fear, it doesn't mean being scared. It means being in awe. And the only way to be in awe of God is if you know God. If you're in right relationship with him. So just to kind of tie the Old and New Testament scriptures together here with this one strong thread. If we want to be wise... We have to get in right relationship with God. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. That's why Jesus concludes this teaching here by saying, hey, yeah, go to the heart. Man, that's some real good practical advice. He says, yeah, see your problem and make your plan. That's good too. Never ever be complacent. Man, that's, that's really solid advice too. But most of all, Wisdom prioritizes right relationship with God. We live in a world where people do stupid things and it causes all kinds of messes. And none of us are immune from that. 
because all of us live lives where we do stupid things. Man, talk to Tracy. She'll give you a long list if you want it. Just today, probably. If we want to change and undo this cycle of stupidity, we got to get wise. And wisdom is found first in getting into right relationship with God. You want to be wise? Know God. You want to be wise? Look to the heart. See the problem. Make the plan. Don't become complacent. All that good stuff. But most of all, look to God. The Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end of all wisdom. 